And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Everyone, I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to Mr. and Mrs. Blanding, starring Cary Grant and Betsy Drake from 1951. Then John Daner stars as J.B. Kendall, English newspaper reporter and Western hero on Frontier Gentleman from 1958. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. What's going on, Not too much. I'm still here listening to some great radio. Mike, is it my imagination or Elisa's dimples getting deeper and deeper? They're always getting deeper. I mean, I'm just going to have to stop smiling so much. I mean, it it always gets a little bit deeper when she goes to Florida and comes back for some reason. I'm going to bring Spackle with me next week. Yeah, I have to stop having such a good time. Yeah, I'm going to stay here and enjoy the nice. Folks, she literally has the deepest dimples of anybody I've ever I've ever met. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> They're huge. All right. We uh, we listened to the first portion of Mr. and Mrs. Blanding's last time. So let's go back to April 29, 1951. The show is called Child Psychology. It stars Cary Grant and his real-life wife, Betsy Drake. Here's the conclusion to Mr. and Mrs. Blanding's. Well, it's happened again. Jim Blanding's has deftly and efficiently put his foot in his mouth. Last night at the Lansdale Civic Committee meeting, Jim suggested, in a loud, clear voice, that somebody should conduct a program of nature trips for the children of the town. The committee quickly agreed that somebody should, and unanimously appointed Jim to the role of somebody. And so now we find Jim, keenly aware of his civic duties and responsibilities, doing what any red-blooded American citizen would do, trying to figure a way out. (laughs) Let's join him at the breakfast table with Muriel. Oh, I, uh, I could say I broke my arm or my leg. Or maybe I could have the measles. Yeah, I could paint spots on my face. Oh, now, really, Jim? More coffee, Mr. Blandings? Oh, that's an idea, Maud. Drown me in it. <laughs> oh, Mr. Blandings, I saw your name in the paper. You were right between handy hints and the obituaries. <laughs> Tomorrow I may move over. <laughs> Told all about how you was going to take all the kids on a big hike. Jim, I don't see... Oh, the phone. I'll get it. I don't see how you can get out of it, dear. It's printed no. in the paper. I'll simply call the mayor and tell him I'm out of town on a business trip. But it's your idea. You can't walk out. I'll take a plane. Uh, Mr. Blavings, hmm? it's a Mrs. Libby on the phone. She uh, wants to know if her son Stanley can go on the hike. There isn't going to be any hike. Tell her, uh, tell her I broke my toe. You broke her toe? On his way to the plane while painting on spots for his measles. Oh, that's not funny. Oh, Daddy, 
Daddy, it's so wonderful about you taking us on the hike. Oh, now, Susan, a hike isn't so much. Oh, but it is. All the kids are talking about it. They all wish they had a wonderful daddy like you. Hmm. They do? Well. <laughs> Golly, there isn't another daddy in town who even thinks of such good things. Well, I, <clears throat> I, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, what do you think, Muriel? I think a plane load of measles just came in for a landing. Well, after all, I did agree to go. Of course, dear, and don't worry. I'll be at home preparing a hot mustard bath for your feet. Oh, but you can't be home, Mother. I can't? Oh, no, I told Janie's mother you were coming to look after the girls. Oh. Care to borrow a slightly used measle? <laughs> For it's high, high heat on the field artillery. Cut your numbers out and shout. Two, three, four. Where you go, you will always know that the caissons go rolling along. Hey! Everybody halt. We'll rest here. Say, that certainly is a fine marching song. It's corny. It's what? Cornball. Strictly for the X. Mm. And what would a non-ick like yourself suggest? Something hot like Wham, bam, alakazam, orange-colored sky Oh, isn't Johnny wonderful? Oh, he's real gone Not far enough <laughs> I'm hungry Here's a sandwich, Janie Well, now, if you will gather around me We will have a class in knot tying Now, would you hand me that rope, Muriel? Here you are. Thank you. Now, now, pay attention, boys and girls. I'm going to show you the clove hitch. Hmm. A very useful knot, isn't it, Muriel? Oh, yes, I've used it I don't know how many times. When hitching cloves. Uh, <laughs> all right. On with the lesson. Now, now, first you take the rope. Bend one end around an object. For instance, my wrist in this fashion. Then you pass the first end through the loop like this and take the other end under and and. Over the first end, like this, and then... Uh, yes, dear? Well, then if someone will kindly untangle me, we'll be on our way. Daddy, what kind of a tree is that one? Hold it, everyone. Ah, that tree, Susan? Oh, yes, Daddy. Why, that, Susan, happens to be a, uh... A, uh... Spruce. A spruce? Hmm. Well, it doesn't look like the one in our yard. Oh, well, this is a very unusual species of spruce. Yes, it has maple leaves on it. <laughs> oh, that's the tree you meant. Quiet, quiet. Quiet, everyone. Listen to that bird. Now, who can identify that bird call? I think it's a robin. I think it's a thrush. I think I'm hungry. Here's a banana, Janie. Mm, fine students of nature. That was obviously the call of the Baltimore Oriole. <laughs> hey, Susan, look at me. I'm Tarzan. Ah! <laughs> That's more like Tarzan's mother. Get him down from there. Stanley, come down from there. Ah, uh, oh, Stan, I said come down. Now, if you do, I'll show you how to make a fire by rubbing two sticks together. You what? 
I'll make a fire by rubbing two sticks together. Hold on, this I gotta see. A real fire, Mr. Blandings? A really real fire? The really realest fire you ever saw. Oh, boy, then we can cook something on it. I'm hungry. <laughs> Here's a candy bar, Janie. Okay, here I am. Let's see you do your stuff. Very well. <clears throat> now, I uh, simply take two sticks like this, and then I rub them together like this. Uh, well, naturally, it doesn't work the first time. Natch. So I rub them even harder the second time like this. Uh-huh. Then I rub them again like this. Oh. Well, now the sticks are warm, we light them with a match. <laughs> Uh, come on, everybody, on with the march. Jim, I think we really should be getting back. It's almost nighttime, you know. Hmm? Well, why, so it is. I hope we can find our way. Me too. I'm hungry. <laughs> Here's an orange, Janie. Well, now, don't you worry your little heads about that. When you're with old Daniel Blandings, there's absolutely no problem. You see, I used an old scouting trick. What's that, Jim? Well, I, I don't know if you noticed it or not, Muriel, but I've been dropping bits of paper along the way. All we do to get back is follow them. Clever, huh? Yes, but I haven't noticed any bits of paper. He probably means these. Stanley! <laughs> But great Scott Stanley, do you realize what this means? This means that we're... That we're... Is lost the word you're groping for? Yeah. Come on. Hey, stop, stop, stop! I can't go on! Stanley, what's the matter? I got something in my shoe! What is it? My foot! <laughs> hey, look behind you, you may find my hand. Now, come on. Jim, are you sure we shouldn't just stop and wait for help or something? Of course not. We're making headway. Look, I'd swear there's something familiar about that tree. Yes, it's got leaves on it. <laughs> oh, it's the spruce tree with the maple leaves. Jim, it is. Good heavens, we must be going around in a circle. Now, don't get panicky. I'm scared. Me too. But there's nothing to be frightened of. Now, look at me. I'm not worried. It isn't as though there were wild beasts lurking in the trees and bushes out there. <gasps> what was that? <laughs> Stanley, I stepped on his toe. Oh. Johnny, if you don't... don't... Listen. Run to the trees. That is an animal. <gasps> no, Jim, listen. <laughs> Voices. Huh? Oh, yes. Thank heavens, I think they're Americans. <laughs> hey, brothers, over here. It's Constable Arquette with the search party. Well, howdy, folks. Constable, am I glad to see you. Why, you're here with the search party almost before we got lost. Mr. Blanding, the Red Cross don't wait till the dams bust before they get ready. <laughs> Yeah, the night you said you was leading this hike, I started wrinkling up my nose like a bloodhound. But how in the world were you able to find this way out here? Just followed the trail. What trail? 
Sandwich papers, banana peels, candy wrappers, orange peels. Janie, your stomach saved us. Janie, do you hear? I'm hungry. Jim, now that we're home and the children are up in bed asleep, I want you to promise me that you'll never take them on another hike. Don't worry. I feel as if I've walked a million miles. I'm dead. The next time I take the kids on a trip, it's going to be aboard a TWA Constellation. That's the only way to travel. Sounds good to me. And you know, children under 12 travel at half fare on TWA. Mm-hmm. And babies under 2 go for nothing. <laughs> and besides that, the pilot always knows where they're going. You talked me into it. Where will we go? I know a good place. Where? To bed. My feet are killing me. (laughs) Good night, dear. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Tune in next week, same time, same station, for Mr. and Mrs. Blanding, starring Cary Grant and Betsy Drake. Brought to you by Transworld Airlines. Across the U.S. and overseas, you can depend on TWA. Betsy Drake appears to the courtesy of RKO Pictures and David O. Selznick. Watch for the next Selznick release, Gypsy Blood, starring Jennifer Jones and produced in Technicolor. Constable Arquette was played by Cliff Arquette. Elvia Allman was Maud. Also in our cast were Patty King, Earl Ross, Ken Christie, Ralph Moody, Sammy Ogg, Stuffy Singer, and Norma Jean Nielsen. Tonight's show is written by Charles Stewart and Mort Lockman, directed by Warren Lewis and transcribed in Hollywood. Don Stanley speaking. And that's Mr. and Mrs. Blandings from April 29, 1951, with Child Psychology, starring Cary Grant and Batsy Drake, also in the cast, Cliff Arquette, Elvia Allman, Patty King, Earl Ross, Ken Christie, Ralph Moody, Norma Jean Nielsen, and Stuffy Singer, sponsored by TWA, as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's more of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. And to my left, the very talented Mike Estella. That's the Hollywood 360 team here. And it's time now for Frontier Gentlemen, a good Western that starred John Daner as J.B. Kendall, reporter for the London Times newspaper. And the stories followed the adventures of an English journalist as he roamed the turbulent times of the western U.S. in the late 1800s in search of newspaper stories. And uh, he met all kinds of people like Jesse James and Calamity Jane, Wild Bill Hickok. And Kendall was proficient with a gun as well as a pen. It was heard on CBS for one season in 1958. And we're going to listen to an episode now from a broadcast date of September 21st, 1958. This is called Engine Lover. Here's John Daner in part one of Frontier Gentlemen. I learned something of courage, integrity, and Indian affairs. This in Deadwood, Dakota Territory. Frontier Gentlemen. Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. 
But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. A few weeks ago in Deadwood, I had attended the trial of a Sioux policeman named Crow Dog. He had killed a great chief, Spotted Tail, and refused to offer any defense for his crime. The man was convicted and sentenced to hang. When I returned from Cheyenne following the horse race, I found a message at my hotel asking me to call at my earliest convenience on Mr. Harry Clum, whom I remember to be Crow Dog's attorney. I went immediately to his office. Oh, uh, Mr. Kendall? Yes. I recall seeing you at the trial. Uh, won't you sit down? Thank you. <laughs> I understand you're to be uh, congratulated. Oh, you mean winning the race? Well, I was lucky. Uh, you made quite a name for yourself between here and Cheyenne. I had good advice and a good horse. Oh, modesty, modesty. I shall refrain from embarrassing you further. Now, let me speak of the subject at hand. You are a newspaper correspondent, are you not, Mr. Kendall? As I understand, writing for the uh, London Times. Yes. I assume that you've attended trials in the past, both here and in England. Several. Our procedures are perhaps somewhat crude in comparison to those you have witnessed, but I believe for the most part honest endeavors in the name of the law. And if you're referring to Crow Dog's trial, I think it was fair, yes. Ah, but justice it was not, sir. He didn't kill Spotted Tail? Yes, sir. Yes, he killed him. But why? Why? Are you suggesting self-defense? The white man's connotation, no. But to a Sioux, to Crow Dog... Perhaps, yes. You didn't mention anything like that during the trial. I couldn't. I was honor bound not to. Crow Dog had sworn me to secrecy. In divulging what I believe to be true, you must give me your word of honor to respect the confidence, sir. Of course, but I don't see what... In order to save my client, Mr. Kendall, to put it bluntly, well, I wish you to intercede. How? What could I do? Well, sir, perhaps through the use of your great newspaper... I must exhaust every possibility to save Crow Dog. Time's growing short. Now, first, let me uh, tell you of the circumstances in the crime. Of course, you recall the victim, Spotted Tail. Oh, yes. He was one of the chiefs who went to Washington for the conference in 1870, wasn't he? Exactly. Spotted yes. Tail, Sitting Bull, right. Red Cloud, Swift yes. Bear, a dozen more of the great chiefs. I remember. Yes. I shall not go into the devious maneuverings of plot, counterplot, jealousies, but suffice to say... Uh, there were factions within the Sioux Nation constantly at war with each other, as well as the white man. Well, I... Now, uh, just uh, bear with me, sir. We come now to Crazy Horse. After his capture and treacherous imprisonment, he tried to escape and was killed. Uh, murdered, perhaps, is the better word. Oh, well, uh, I'm afraid I don't follow you. What has this to do with Spotted Tail and Crow Dog? It was the followers of Spotted Tail who seized Crazy Horse held him while the soldier bayoneted the chief. And Spotted Tail was an enemy of Crazy Horse? Mm, there are those who say so. Envy, hatred. And Crow Dog killed Spotted Tail for revenge. Huh? It's possible. Was Crow Dog a follower of Crazy Horse? I, I don't know. But you said he swore you to secrecy. He must have told you... Oh, he so. told me nothing. All that I have stated is surmise, sir. But I had reason to feel that it was close enough to the truth. I I took it to Crow Dog and suggested that we use it in his defense. Ah, he refused. Did he admit that it was true? Oh, he denied nothing, admitted nothing. All that he would say was that were such a defense to be used, it would rekindle the flames of jealousies, even war between the nations. And he still wouldn't tell you why he killed Spotted Tail? No, no, no. 
Perhaps inadvertently, I'd stumbled on the reason. Now, according to Sue Custom, Crow Dog made a settlement with the relatives of the dead man. But because of Spotted Tail's importance, the government decided to prosecute Crow Dog. Mm. When is the day of execution? Well, sir, unless my plea for a stay is allowed, it's next week, Monday. Well, do you think of the facts, at least as you believe them to be, if they were known, it would make a difference? Well, it, may, it might. But... Even were I to send my story to London, it would be weeks, even months before it's printed. Oh, I realize that, sir. But I thought that uh, you might have some influence with the authorities in uh, Washington. Oh, no, no, not the slightest. Now, the only thing I can suggest is that you try to make Crow Dog tell the truth as to why he killed Spotted Tail. I'm afraid it's useless. He's not afraid to die. In fact, he'd rather do so than divulge whatever reason he had for the killing. I don't think it would be much use, at least not to Crow Dog, but I should very much like to see him. Oh, well, sir, I might be able to arrange that. If you'll talk to me, there's always the possibility that something will slip out. Hmm. Well, I'll go down and see John Molson. He's the jailer. A fair man. I'm sure he'll consent to the interview. That's the first portion of Frontier Gentlemen. Stick around more after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. Look what I have in my hands here, Lisa and Mike. Oh, the new Remind magazine. Well, not only is it new, it's new and improved because it's all full color now. Uh It's uh, many more pages and it's full color all the way throughout. Look at that. It also has a brand new feature, a new monthly retro TV guide. It's a monthly listing of your favorite retro TV shows. You know how there's like classic radio played all across the country on different networks? Well, they list what all of those classic TV networks are playing. So I see Goldie Hawn there on the cover. Yeah. Oh, what a year. It's all about 1968. But this magazine is now new and improved. I didn't think it could be any better than it was before, but you know what? I was wrong. It can be. It's it's even better. Look at this thing. It's amazing. Folks, if you haven't subscribed to Remind Magazine yet, you really should. There's all kinds of brain teasers. There's all kinds of fun and trivia. There's uh, articles about classic movies and TV and radio. I write an article every issue of Remind Magazine, and my uh, my article this month in January is on Rod Serling, Master of the Twilight Zone. We also have our Hollywood 360 broadcast schedule in every issue, so you should definitely go to Remind Magazine and check out this wonderful magazine, our main sponsor here on Hollywood 360. That's RemindMagazine.com, RemindMagazine.com. All right, time now for the conclusion to Frontier Gentlemen. The next evening, accompanied by Mr. Clum. I went to the jailhouse and there met John Molson, who had given his permission for us to see Crow Dog. I wish to show all the prisoners was as easy to handle as that engine. Make my work a lot easier. Uh, has he talked to you much, John? No, sir. Just polite is all. Uh, thanks for whatever little thing I can do to make his last days comfortable. These fine evenings, I give him leave to sit around in the courtyard. Ain't no call to leave a man locked up while he waits to die. Aren't you afraid he might try to escape? I asked him to give his word on that. He gave it. I trust him. Well, you will be wanting to see him. Oh, uh, Mr. Kendall, uh, on second thought, I think perhaps it would be best if I weren't present when you uh, interview him. He might not say anything at all, then. 
tell him that I sent you. We're good friends. Shall I mention what we discussed? As a last resort, yes. Although he'll know I broke a confidence, but if you feel it'd be helpful, by all means, yes. After all, sir, I am trying to save his life. I'll, uh, I'll just wait here, John. Sure, Mr. Clark. Hey, Crow Dog. You got a visitor to see. Crow Dog was a man of indeterminate age. Possibly because of his incarceration and the strain of waiting for execution, he appeared older than he actually was. He sat on a tree stump, a worn blanket wrapped about his shoulders, watching the lengthening shadows engulf the sunlit wall of the courtyard. As we approached, he looked up, then got to his feet, standing quietly, a little nod to his jailer, Molson. Hey, Crow Dog, uh, this fellow's Kendall. He writes on a newspaper a long, long way off, over big seas, a place called England. He's a friend of Mr. Clum. You are a friend of Mr. Clum? Yes. I said I'd like to talk to you, and he thought that you wouldn't mind. I not mind. I'll leave you fellas to powwow. Come on back to the office when you're through, Kendall. Right. Mr. Clum in good health? Yes. I not see him these past days. And he's working very hard to get you a stay of execution. He not be able to. I will die. Where did you learn to speak such good English, Crow Dog? Many places. I was interpreter between chiefs and soldiers. I learned more on reservation and when I become policeman. Mm. I was at your trial, and I've often wondered why you'd give no reason for what you did. The sun is almost gone. It becomes cool. We will walk, if you not mind. Not at all. These walls, almost every day I see them. They grow closer to me. The courtyard is smaller. Have you got a family, Crow Dog? Yeah, family. Many relations. They are on reservation. Have they come to see you? No. This is a shame that cannot be. The white man's prison is not good place for family of Crow Dog. It is better for them to see me, remember me in other places at other times. You did kill Spotted Tail, didn't you? Yeah, I kill him. Do you think Mr. Clum is right in trying to save you from hanging? I kill as a Sioux. This a thing no white man can understand. Now, I die in the white man's way. A thing no Sioux understands. If you could go free, would you tell the truth as to why you killed Spotted Tail? No. It was a thing between us for no other ears. Was it because of Crazy Horse? Mr. Clum give his word to me. He has broken it. He wants to save you. He thought I might be able to help. He has told no one else. When he give his word, I trusted him as I would trust few white men. You can still trust him. The time for him to have broken his word was at the trial. He didn't do so. You can't blame him because he wants to help you now before it's too late. He think what he wishes about crazy horse. I have nothing to say. Will you tell Mr. Molson there's a chill... I am ready to go inside. Yes. I wish I could do something to help you, Crow Dog. 
There is no need. I thank you. Goodbye. You'd have been longer. Ah, uh, he said he was getting cold. Wanted to go back inside. I'll take care of it. I'll be right back. Well, Mr. Kendall, would he say anything? Nope. You mentioned Crazy Horse? Yes, I think it was a mistake. He seemed to feel worse about you breaking your word than the fact he was going to hang. Uh, perhaps it was wrong, I don't know. It was a small hope at best. Except now I suppose he feels that he's lost his last friend. On what grounds have you applied for a stay of execution? Flimsy. Terribly weak. If the government is determined that he shall hang, and I'm afraid they are, there's no chance. I based it upon the fact that he had satisfied tribal law by paying the settlement. That if tribal custom forbade him giving just and good reason for his act, that in itself is mitigating circumstance calling for a new trial. Uh, from what I've seen out here, Mr. Clum, it must be very difficult to enforce your laws on the Indians. Oh, for both sides, sir, for both sides. We to impress our wills, they to understand why we do it. <laughs> Crow Dog said something like that while I was talking to him. I sometimes wonder whether we're right, sir. We cheat, we lie to them and kill them, and then under the guise of Christianity, of civilization, we bring them to trial because they, they dare to emulate us. Where is he? Crow Dog. Right, he... Uh, in the courtyard, I left him there. He's not there no more. He, oh, cussed suck-egg dog of a Sioux, he's broke his word. Oh, I might have known. Never trust an engine. He's gone over the wall. A posse of deputies was hurriedly rounded up. They searched Deadwood and the outlying areas throughout the entire night. But Crow Dog had disappeared. The next morning, Mr. Clum and I were called down to John Molson's jail office. Another man was seated, obviously waiting for us. He chewed on a sliver of wood and had an odd habit of keeping his head lowered and watching us under the brim of his hat. His name was Gene Geddes. His badge proclaimed him a deputy marshal. I hear it was you, Kendall, was the last to see him. That's right. Give you any idea what he had in mind? Not that I can think of. Well, now, there's an important government prisoner escape. My job's to get him back for hanging, ain't that so, Mosin? Yep. So if that engine said anything to you, maybe give us an idea where he's going. Well, that's what I want to hear about. Sorry, I can't help you. Well, what'd you talk about? His trial, testimony, or lack of it. I guess he told you he's innocent. They always are. No, as a matter of fact, no, he didn't. He spoke of his family. I asked if they'd visited him. He said no. He didn't want them to see him in prison. Family, huh? I'll give you odds. That's where he's gone, then. To the reservation? Sure. Figures the rest of his kind will hide him out. Well, don't worry, Molson. I'll bring him back by hanging day. Uh, would you object if I rode with you? Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Kendall. This is government business. Well, I'm an accredited correspondent for the London Times. I'm going to write a report on this, and I'd rather get my information firsthand than to write what I'll have to imagine, you know. It's all right with me if the marshal says so. You'll have to see him first. Marshall was impressed with my credentials and had heard about my race from Deadwood to Cheyenne. I was given permission to accompany Geddes to the reservation. We left that afternoon. Is that the horse you won the race with? Yes. Don't look like it could have done it. He did. How come you're so interested in that engine, Crow Dog? 
I'd like to find out why he killed Spotted Tail. And after meeting him, I'd rather not see him hang. Well, mister, you being English and all, I guess you don't know about these people. I guess I'm being soft in the head to call them people, savages, near to animals or not. You ever fight them? I've had to, once or twice. You ever see what they do to folks? Women, children? It's not pleasant. Of course, I'm with you on one thing. Don't seem to matter if an Indian scalps another, but they got to learn the law. Keep them on the reservation and teach them the law. It's the only way. The only way for what? For peace. We licked them in war, now we gotta keep them licked. Now you take this crow dog, like as not, he's got himself good and drunk by now, maybe done some more killing. Next thing you know, he'll up and kill a white man. Ah, uh, no, I don't think so. Well, you don't, huh? Well, I've seen raiding parties fresh off the reservation. I've seen what they've done to miners and settlers. Why do you think they do it? Why? Because they're no good red sons of guns. They ain't got no more mining than rattlesnake. I'm telling you. Biggest mistake we made was signing a peace. We should have killed every last one of them. Then there'd be no more trouble. They ain't human. Do you mind if I ask you something? Why? Why do you hate Indians so much? Because a war party of Sioux killed my wife and two kids five years ago. They had to have a little fun first so they didn't die quick. That reason enough for you? His face livid, Geddes spurred his horse forward and rode on in front of me. That night we camped. We didn't say much to each other. There wasn't anything to say. He was a man dedicated to the extermination of Indians. He'd already told me his reasons. I had no inclination to argue with him. Two days later, we arrived at the reservation. Our presence was greeted with hostile silence, and it was some time before we gained the information as to where we could find the family lodge of Crow Dog. When we reached it, there was not a soul in sight. They knew we was coming. We was ten miles off. How much you want to bet one of them's got Crow Dog hiding out? Well, I wouldn't want to bet. Let's have a look inside his lodge first. That's a waste of time. You better keep your gun handy. They ain't beyond taking a scalp when there's a chance. Mr. Kendall. Crow Dog. It's good to see you again. On your feet, Injun. Put away gun, white man. I am unarmed. That's good. Come on. No. I'm taking you back for hanging, Injun. That's the law. That's the law that if you try and stop me, I'll put a bullet right between your eyes. I've come back here to say goodbye to family and relations. When that is finished, I return to Deadwood and the hanging. You're going now. White man, you are on reservation. There are many Indians here. You kill me, it does not matter. I must die, as your law has said. But kill me here, and you and Mr. Kendall will both die. Injun, I'm telling you for the last Listen to what you're saying, Geddes. Don't be a fool. Mr. Kendall... I give my word. I go back. I believe you. You siding in with him? You an engine lover? I don't feel like dying because you want to kill this man. I'd rather take his word. Stinking engine. Old place stinks of engine. Well, it don't matter to me. If he won't come peaceable now, the soldiers will catch up with him. I'm getting out. You go too, Mr. Kendall. Yes. I trust you, Crow Dog. 
I want you to know that Mr. Clum and I both trust you. We don't feel the way Geddes does. When I have said farewells, I go back. Geddes didn't return to Deadwood with me. He stopped at a stage station and proceeded to get very drunk. I stayed with him for a day, then decided to go on alone. Mr. Clum wasn't in his office when I rode into Deadwood, so I went down to the jailhouse. He was there, with Molson and a third man, Crow Dog. How are you, Kendall? Where's Geddes? Oh, he'll be here later, a little trouble with his horse. Oh. Hello, Crow Dog. Glad to see you safe, Mr. Kendall. I'm glad to see you, Crow Dog. You not expect to, huh? I'm not sure I would have blamed you. In white man's eyes, I was a murderer. You must live as the white man tells us. So, I come back. Then you'd better return at once to the reservation, Crow Dog. Yeah. I go. Uh, go? What, what are you talking about? A pardon, Mr. Kendall. While he was gone, a pardon came. Crow Dog is a free man. Mr. Clum was never able to find out just why the pardon had been granted. Perhaps it was in part due to his eloquent appeal, and then again, the Indian agency may have felt an injustice had been done. It didn't really matter. For whatever reason, Crow Dog had gone home. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Ralph Moody, Joseph Kearns, Stacey Harris, and Jack Moyles. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking. And that's Frontier Gentleman from September 21st, 1958, with Engine Lover starring John Daner, also in the cast, Ralph Moody, Joseph Kearns, Stacey Harris, and Jack Moyles, as heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. I want to remind you that we have a website for this show. It's Hollywood360Radio.com. And at that website, there is a podcast of this show. Every week we put a podcast up. And you can listen to all four hours of the Hollywood 360 show. Although it is one week behind, we purposely do that so our radio stations across the country have first dibs at the radio show, our weekly radio show. But do check it out. We have a podcast at Hollywood360Radio.com. We have a schedule there, all kinds of fun stuff, pictures of Lisa. And uh, what else is there, Lisa? That's it. Just pictures just of me. Tons and I don't tons know what else you need. Of pictures of Lisa. So check it out. Hollywood360radio.com. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight-Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Star Wars The Last Jedi rated PG-13 by Disney Studios. It's the ninth film in the series that began in 1977. Yep, it's been 40 years. Can you believe it? Ryan Johnson directs. 
New characters are Laura Linney, Bendicio del Toro, and Kelly Marie Tran. Returning cast includes Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac. Let's take a listen. I need someone to show me my place in all this. Carrie Fisher's granddaughter, Billy Lord, is in the film. Although, sadly, Carrie Fisher passed away on December 27th, 2016. Here's another clip. I only know one truth. It's time for the Jedi to end. The bottom line, I'm way in. Three and a half stars out of four. This is one of the best films of the entire series. It pays tribute to the past films and launches us into the future. Carrie Fisher is front and center, which I enjoyed immensely. Here's my advice. Just sit back, relax, munch on your popcorn, and enjoy this entertaining film. Check out my written review of Star Wars The Last Jedi on Sarah's BackstagePass.com. Hi, Carl Amari here. During the month of January, you can digitally download The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Volume 1, featuring 12 detective episodes starring Jeff Chandler. The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Volume 1, is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Also on sale during January at 50% off is Our Miss Brooks, Volume 1, starring Eve Arden in 12 comedy episodes. Our Miss Brooks, Volume 1, is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Visit ClassicRadioStore.com and digitally download The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Volume 1, and Our Miss Brooks, Volume 1, at half price. In February, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during January. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to order. While you're there, download an episode of Suspense absolutely free as our gift to you. ClassicRadioStore.com now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the General Electric Theater from 1953. Then it's the Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet from 1948. That's next time right here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.